Hello. 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 Is this uh, is this Dr. Donald uh, D. S. Schaffner, uh, PhD, uh, full full professor, uh, uh, commander of the universe? President Colin Ensign, thank you so, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, wait. All right. All right. All right. That's my Matthew McConaughey uh, impersonation. That's very good. It's not bad. It's, I, I, for a minute there, I thought I was talking to Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Well, he's he's busy uh, making uh, commercials for uh, cars for the Lincoln for the Lincoln cars. <laughs> Do you? Huh. I know. No, speak commercials. I've been I've been really enjoying the uh, the one with uh, George Clooney and the the short guy with the toes. Amazing. Have you seen the the short guy with the toes? I don't know what that yeah. means. I know Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito. He's toes? He like I mean Well, he's for a while there that's all he would post on Twitter was pictures of his feet. <laughs> I'm I'm not making that up. Ah, ah. There's some foot fetish people out there that love Danny DeVito. Um so this is an entirely different to- uh, podcast now. Um, that that have, have you <laughs> have you seen the? Do we need an explicit rating? Not yet, not yet. I think we can we can talk about uh, things like uh, preferences and what, yeah, what people are into. <laughs> like Don, I'm a libertarian. I'm a li- <laughs> we we let's let's let the people do what they want. Um, can I? Uh, have you seen? Yeah, we need a Hamsterdam, Ben. We need a Hamsterdam for feet. <laughs> we do need a Hamsterdam for a feet. Feetsterdam. Um, <laughs> have you seen the Saturday Night Live uh, spoof of that commercial? With, no. Oh, it's phenomenal. You got to watch it because it's it, it's uh, one, two of the two of the guys. Bobby Bobby Moynihan plays Danny DeVito, and I can't remember the guy who plays uh, George Clooney, but he just makes George Clooney esque faces for a minute and a half, and it's it's fun, it's it's amazing, it's great. There was okay, so you know I, I, we've talked about Saturday Night Live a few times, um, and how I, I think in one of the episodes a year or two ago, I, I had sort of declared that I, you know Saturday Night Live had made a resurgence. I'm really really enjoying it. There mm-hmm. was an episode this year with Ryan Gosling. That might have been the best Saturday Night Live episode in in ten years, and that was that that commercial appeared in it. That commercial spoof did, but there was like this. Uh, we'll link to this in show notes because there it's not explicit because it was on you know network TV. But there is a f- fantastic skit about um, three three individuals in Kansas who are abducted by aliens, but two of them got a little different treatment than one. And Kate, oh, I did see that. Kate, yes, Kennedy, that was. Oh, Oh my gosh! Yeah, that was that was on the internet. I think Merlin linked to that. Yeah, it was hysterical. It mm-hmm. I, it was it, it was it was awesome. Um, so yeah, Kate McKinnon uh, gave mm-hmm. and, and what seemed to be an improv uh, delivery, which broke Ryan Gosling up. And Ryan Gosling's from Canada. Did you know that? I, I think I did know that, and and it was that was the best part of the whole skit was watching him not hold it together. <laughs> it was amazing. Oh, it was so good. So. Um, yeah, Danny DeVito. So, spe- so speaking of Christmas time and Saturday Night Live, um, one of my fa- – and I don't think this is a recent SNL. I think it's from like 10 years ago. But have you seen Glenn Gary, Glenn Christmas? Yes, I've seen Glenn Gary, <laughs> Glenn Christmas. Um, it, that, so that very same episode is the Sweaty Balls. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which we don't need an explicit tag for. It's, di- it's about I, – I, it was chocolate. They're chocolate. Right. But yeah, Glenn, Glenn Gary, Glenn Christmas. Oh, so good. Alec Baldwin. That guy. That guy's hilarious. He's, you know, have you have you ever listened to his podcast? No, he's got a podcast? 
Yes, he does. And oh. it, it's really, it's really good. Um, yeah. Um, it, it's called uh, Just the oh. Thing or Here's the Here's Thing. Here's the Thing. Uh, Here's the yeah. Thing. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Oh. It's, I don't listen to every episode. But the, I mean, the one that his, his interview, uh, with, uh, with Billy Joel is just, I mean, I don't like Billy Joel that much, but it's fantastic. And, oh, he did a, He did a wonderful one with that new, that new comedian lady that everybody loves. Amy Schumer. That's Amy Schumer. Yeah. He did his interview with Amy Schumer is very, very good. So, yeah. Oh man, this looks, this looks awesome. Who knew yeah. this guy's got a whole bunch. He's he is he's a great he's a great interviewer because he just he doesn't he just he just like he's yeah he just totally he just talks about like whatever and they go off on tangents and it's just it's it's perfect it's it's not it's it's not hot, it's not heavily produced it's just yeah it's just uh, it's just wacky awesome so I I'm I'm excited this is in this is in now because I got it, Paul Simon forty nine minutes of Alec Baldwin and Paul Simon the you know true New Yorkers. I love it. Yeah, I have not heard of the Paul Simon one, but like I said, the Billy Joel one is they just they just nerd out on New York. It's great. Oh, so cool! I'm gonna I gotta check this out. This is that that is a holiday Christmas listening for me. I didn't know. It. Thank you for that, Don. You're welcome. Sometimes sometimes you give me uh, you give me really good stuff. Give me stuff to do. Like yeah, listen well. To. I, yeah, so like like when you're apparently when you're on a very important phone call, I'm sending you uh, uh, Italians singing in fake English. <laughs> well, the thing with that is I didn't listen to it. I watched <laughs> the video, and, and if you do, you have it. Okay, so this is I don't know where you got this. I don't know any of the background for it. I assume that it had something to do with Merlin. Yes. Um, the, Don sent me a YouTube clip from a guy named Adriano Celentano. And he, I don't, I have not listened to the audio, so I, I can't pronounce, and I don't know that he's singing. Raising colon ensenine cuso. And what does that mean, Don? It means nothing. It's awesome. it's gibberish. It is it is it is an Italian trying to sound like someone speaking English. What this it. is what it, what English sounds like to Italians. It's <sighs> it's all just nonsense lyrics. Can you? Do you have it open? Can, uh, I, I have I have the one with the lyrics open. I can okay. find the I can find the other one. So. Is it does it have all the dancing? The moment the lyrics. It, yeah. it 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 does. And what we should what we should do is probably probably link to because there's so many of these videos, right? So we should probably link to in the show notes. We will link to the Wikipedia article on this. Oh but basically, it is. Uh, yeah, it's. It's it's just it's mesmerizing. It is okay, and there's and there's been remakes and anyway, it's just uh, it's it's I bizarre. I didn't I mean, even know just, that this existed. It's, just, it's 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 you can just yeah you could you could lose an hour or more to prison colon and sign queue. So, so I want I want you to queue up. This is fascinating podcasting, but I want you to queue up <laughs> about to two minutes and eleven seconds in the one that you texted me that I that I texted you. Yeah, okay, because and just play it without the audio. And then, <laughs> and then and then think of yourself being on a phone call while you're watching it because it and is the greatest what's the timestamp? Two two eleven. <laughs> I'm doing it now. Like and I, I had no idea what this was. I just needed oh, where to. He's, like, where he's dancing where and he's dancing. And, 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 yeah, and their heads are bobbing and then there's a hand yeah. wave situation. Like Yeah. It's 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 just just the just the audio without just the video without the audio is is very entertaining. It yes. is it is. So I thank you for for I look forward to my uh, deep dive on Wikipedia uh, on on prison colon and, colon and San Cuso and and John Mancuso. Um, I think <laughs> I got that wrong. Uh, so uh, excellent. Hey, um, 
but so you know what today is, right? This will will date things a little is bit. Is today Christmas? Uh, it sort of is. Oh, it's Christmas for my kids and a little bit of me <laughs> because it, I'm going at 1:50 p.m. today to the Raleigh Grand Theater to watch The Force Awakens. Oh, it's Star Wars Day. It is. It is. In fact, I asked my kid this morning, do you know what today is? And they said Star Wars Day. And I said, yeah, let's just pretend it's May the 4th. (laughs) And then they thought that was pretty funny. And I said it. I actually said that kind of in a a Gordon Haburn-esque accent. Let's let's just pretend it's May the 4th. That's, that's not corporate. That's not Gordon. You're, you're uh, my, Matthew McConaughey is way better than your Gordon Haver. All right. All right. All right. Um, oh, Don, I I've missed you. I miss you every, every couple of weeks. You know that <laughs> oh. it, it's, it's like, it's like the, the texts are, they're not enough. They're not enough, Don. Um, I'm, uh, I'm talking into my shoe like I normally do at home, which means I'm hunched over a little bit. I oh. got to figure out my shoe. See, thing. you know, we're, 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 we're like flipped again because yeah. you're at home and I'm at work, which is totally, uh, we're both out of our elements. We're out of our elements. I've got my shoe, my shoe. There's my, I'm moving my shoe around. That's what that sound is. Mm-hmm. I hear um, that. I need a taller shoe. I use a high mm. top, um, mm-hmm. but I still hunch over a little bit. Um, I don't know. You know what you need for Christmas? You need a microphone stand. Oh, I have one of those. I, I have a micro. It just happens to be in my office. Well, I here's two. Thing, I need another man. microphone stand. You need another one. I have I have a boom arm at home, and I have a microphone stand at work. And so then I all I have to do is transport the microphone. <sighs> my so, but I have two microphones. How weird is that? I got two microphones, two headsets because like <sighs> two what? microphones, one stand, and two uh, turntables and a microphone. <laughs> See what I did there. Um, that's a that's a reference, Ben. That's that's what we in the business we call a reference. Yeah, yeah, that's a callback to an earlier. Uh, well, it's a, it's a callback to an earlier episode where which we is, referenced which, where we else. referenced yeah something else exactly. Um, I got two. I, I don't have two turntables and microphone, um, but I have two microphones. Do you have, do you have any turntables at all? Yeah, I got one turntable. I can touch it. I'm touching oh. my, my my turntable. And you you use that to listen to your vinyl? I do. I have. This is. Uh, um, let me do a little foley here. Ooh, wow! It's, um, you know, are you are you playing this from your from your vinyl? Because that sounds much warmer now. It, well, it's because I picked up the microphone and it's holding it. I'm holding it very close to my mouth, so I can move it. Do you hear this? <laughs> that's me, uh, yes. That's me dragging my microphone across vinyl. Okay, I figured either it was that or you taking your pants down. <laughs> no pants. I see that. That's that's where you're wrong. My pants were already down. <laughs> so. I, I don't why would I need I don't need to wear pants while I'm at home. Um so Don uh in my in my vinyl machine that I have, mm-hmm. uh, my vinyl playing machine that's uh that's close to me in my office. I have my my because I as my kids got like touchy with things and would break things, I decided that I would move all of my vinyl and my turntable to my office cuz it's I is most likely the place I was going to listen to it anyway. Um, mm-hmm. In my stack, well, in, not my stack, in my vinyl um, shelf, the first record that I can that I'm looking at right now is Beastie Boys Paul's Boutique, which mm. which I don't know if you know that. I think you would. I know you're not like a huge hip hop kind of guy Mm-mm. or rap as as they call it in the as they call it in the business in the business today. Back in the day, back in the day, back in the day, it's a tha. Um, Paul's Boutique was. Uh, the Beastie Boys' second album, first album was uh, "License to Ill," and that it was like a frat boy kind of party in, in "License to Ill," and they they toured with Madonna back in in 1986 when Madonna was was all the rage. Mm-hmm. They they retreated 
and um, decided that they would get really heavy into sampling and mm-hmm. paired up with these two DJs called the Dust Brothers uh, and created this this masterpiece called Paul's Boutique. There's one song on there, The Eggman, which has, I think it's like 27 Beatles samples. Oh, wow. That constructs the whole song. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a really, really great album um that that has been and it's from 1989 i mean it's classic old and it was one of the uh, you know when when i bought a when i bought a turntable i went to garage sales and bought old vinyl and then and then our good friend doug powell moved out of his house and had all this like rolling stones and the clash and the who and he was like i don't need any of this crap you want some of this and i was like yep i took all of his his old records which were in really good shape and then there's like I just wanted to fill my catalog out a little bit, and so the Beastie this Beastie Boys album was the first new vinyl album that I've ever pub, uh, purchased, and so it's it's beautiful, it's great. Paul's boutique, check it out. I you know what I I right now I am uh, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I'm, I'm clicking things on my phone. Um, I think I think I might. I don't think I bought it, but anyway, it's. Uh, I, I don't know. I clicked the thing on my phone, and now uh, things are happening. Things are happening. You're calling people. Calling people. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not calling people. I think I'm. Well, I'm calling the Beastie Boys. Maybe. What? Can we have them on? I don't think so. No, probably not. <laughs> oh, but speaking of having people on. Uh, yes, we got a po- we got a, 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 a an episode that's going up. That's going up today. The Jerky episode, or it's actually known as the Jerky Police, um, where we talk to Dan Benjamin. I'm excited. I, I re-listened to this podcast once a week and a half ago when I edited the audio, and then once again this morning when I uh, look listened to the um, to get show titles because I didn't do that last time after we talked. Uh, and oh man, our Dan Dan Benjamin's a pro. You know that he's a he pro. is he, he is he is literally a professional in other words that is how he earns his living is talking um and he's very very good as a podcast he's a, very good as a podcast host he's very good as a podcast guest he's also just a genuinely nice person he he is and, and he he's passionate about some uh, uh, some beef jerky and some barbecue he is he let me let me tell you that he um you'll you'll listen to this again and, mm-hmm. and probably our listeners will, will have already listened to it by the time they hear this, our discussion on it. But there are a couple of times in our in our conversation with Dan where you and I have a lull and Dan goes in and says, OK, let's talk about this now. And and it was awesome. Like he he came on our podcast that we hosted and he 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 just like, you know, probably maybe consciously, maybe so maybe subconsciously was like, oh, I need to. I need to fill this gap. We've got to, yeah. we, we need to, we, you know, the listeners have had enough of this topic. Let's move to another topic. And I was like, man, this is, I'm watching a pro work. Yeah. Yeah. And he makes it look so easy. Oh, that's man. the thing about a pro. They make it look easy. And it's not easy. It's not easy. And that, that's the thing, you know, we've been doing this now for 89 episodes or something, right? 80, 86 episodes, 87, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> 86, 87, whatever, whatever it takes. takes. Exactly. Exactly. And I love doing what we do. I love talking to you. And and I thought at the start of this, oh, this will be easy. And it's not. It's not easy. <laughs> not talk, well, talking. It's to easy you to easy. do poorly. It's it's not easy yeah. to do it well. It's not easy to do it. That's why we're so like slow on posting because if, to do it right, you need to spend time on it. And and we don't we don't uh, we we get caught up in other things and don't always spend time. And you don't want to put out a really crappy thing because we spent. We invested intellectual time and talking time to to make it work. So 
So I, yeah, I have so much more respect every time I, I listen to, um, you know, Dan Merlin, um, not Roderick on, on the line. Cause I still don't talk, listen to that, but all the other podcasts that aren't radio shows. Cause there are a couple of podcasts that I listen to that are like radio shows, you know, sports talk radio and they just cut it. They talk a bunch and then they, you know, do something else and they, they just edit it all together. It's a different, it's got a different feel, you know, being able to carry a conversation or multiple conversations or a conversation on multiple topics over 45 minutes or an hour and not lose yourself into rambling and have some sort of a purpose and prepare or whatever is, is tough. It's, uh, it, you know, it, it keeps me in awe because sometimes we do it well and sometimes we don't. So. Yeah. And, and I, <clears throat> I listen to a lot of podcasts. I don't listen to too much like professionally produced NPR stuff, although I will from time to time. But most of what I listen to is what I would call like yeah, I don't want to call it amateur or semi-professional, but but it's but it's people that that just do podcasting. And then I, I listen to, you know, periodically I'll check out new podcasts. And I tell you, there are some out there where I just can't listen. Either the audio quality isn't good, or the people don't know how to have a conversation, or whatever it is. And so I think I have a pretty high standard, and I think that. We we kind of hit that that bar most of the time because I do re-listen to our episodes and they're not horrible, right? Right. They're they're not they're not they're not like professional. It's not like Radio Lab or something, right? But but it's for two guys that have day jobs that do this because they love it. It's not bad, and and I think that's that's an important that's an important standard, Ben. Is that when you do something, you should do a not bad job, <laughs> right? So it's like uh, this thing I, I shared with you a while ago on writing. Where it said, "Try not to suck." Yes, that's, that's it. Just try not to suck. Yes, and then, and then, yeah, and, and over time, suck less. Suck less. Do it. Do it. Know why you suck. Um, if you are sucking, and do less of that. Do more of the good stuff. Do less of the sucking. Right. The other guys should talk more, and they need to be. Sh- the episodes need to be longer or shorter. Right. Right. What all of all of that? Okay, I got to tell you hey, something. I, oh, I, I, first, got I got an important question for you. Are you on Wi-Fi? Uh, I am on the Wi-Fi. Is it a problem? You're a little, you're chopping up a little bit, but you it's okay. What? Oh, I'll tell you why. I got Dropbox going. I've got Evernote updating. I got a whole bunch of stuff going on. I got YouTube that's populating my my garbage bin here. Blah, blah, blah. Let me get rid of well, that. Well, I, I forgot to turn off Dropbox, so I just did that. <clears throat> there you go. It's us. We, you know what? Suck last Dawn, both of us. Turn off <sighs> your Dropbox. There you go. Um. Hey, can I tell you something amazing? You're not, sure. you're not, by the way, you're not, um, you sound great. So I, and I, I should have audio. So, um, okay. Not something amazing. A, I guess a, a revolution. Have you ever, have you ever watched yourself give a talk? Like not like out of body experience kind of thing, but is anybody, well, actually, I'm, but let's back up. I do want to hear about that. If that's happened as well, but <laughs> more, more importantly, have you ever, has anybody recorded you do doing something and then you watched it. Right. Well, so first of all, I have to say that I have gotten over listening to myself on the podcast, right? Like one of the things that freaks you, I remember being freaked out as a kid um, and, and still freaks out a lot of people is listening to the sound of your own voice because the sound of your own voice in your own head sounds different than when it's recorded and played back to you because of, you know, the, the echoing and, and whatever the acoustics of, you know, where your ears are relative to where your mouth is, you know, and all of that. So I've gotten over that. So I can listen to us on the podcast and, and for the most part, not be freaked out by that. Um, I have, I'm trying to think, you know, well, I, I do, I, sometimes I get, um, uh, taped for uh, television. And so I do watch myself 
uh, when I've done a television interview. Um, and then also as part of uh, media training, I went through media training with the uh, Institute of Food Technologists right, and, right. and there they videotape you. So I have done some of that. And, you know, it, it's it, it, the audio stuff is better that when you see yourself, you, you not only do you hear your your vocal ticks, but you see your um, your physical ticks. And that is disturbing, let's say. And so I can do it. Um, but it is it is kind of annoying. It's yeah. So the uh, the the video is is different, you know, like uh, same, same kind of thing. You know, you do do a media interview. Someone comes and records you. You go to a studio, whatever. And they edit it down because their job is to also make the story better. So there, if you do something weird or if you say something weird, it, it's unlikely to make a great story. So they cut it out and, um, and, and that kind of stuff for me, you know, in my experience and it's, and it's short. So why I'm asking you this is because last night I did, um, I did something that I had not done before. Um, and it was a, it was a different kind of format. It was a five minute talk and it was like in a, ted talk kind of setting there was like a dj there um there was beer it was at um a place called like i mean the the forum or the frontier like i mean it was a building that was named to be all kind of like nerdy and like people are this is a collision space and people are getting ideas and it, it there was this it's like a shared i hope they don't hurt each other with I, all the collisions i don't know what's going on sounds, with these collisions sounds dangerous it does it does i hope they were padding um they, so I, that's you know i think that's called roller derby ben i wish that it would have been awesome if there was roller derby so so this thing uh it happened at um RTP, which is the Research Triangle Park, which is this old school place. Like, I mean, old school. I mean, it's been around for 50 years, I think. And it was a collaborative effort between the universities and the state and some businesses to create a, you know, a technology park. Um, and then IBM moved their headquarters there. And now we've got Qualcomm and Qualtrics and all the great quals. Um, we've got Quintiles. We've got who, whomever. I don't know. I don't know who's all out there. But They've got a bunch of young, like, nerdy professionals that get together once a month and do this thing called RTP 180. And I don't know what that means, but one a person in our college who um, is part of the North Carolina Biotechnology Center, which is also located out there, invited me and, you know, put me on this panel because they were talking about food. Um, and so I, I, the panel was um, five minutes each and, uh, you know, a, a quick talk about what you're passionate about and what you do. Um, and, and then people are drinking beer and then there was food afterwards, which sounds, which sounds awesome. So mm -hmm. I will send you the YouTube link to this because they, they streamed it live on YouTube and then it was recorded. And so I didn't know that. I mean, I knew they were recorded. I didn't know what it was for. And then when I came home, I was telling Danny, like, you know, sometimes when you give a talk and, and you know, it doesn't work. And then sometimes you give a talk where you're like, man, that was like, I was on point. And, and mainly because, you know, whatever, it's in your head. I'm going to tell you that it's in your head, or at least it's in my head, because I, I you know, I showed, you know, I said, Danny, oh, yeah, they, they recorded it. And she's like, well, is it up? Because, you know, I'd like to watch it. And I was like, sure. So I brought it up on, on my phone and then streamed it to my Apple TV. Uh, and uh, this is like, you know, 45 minutes after I had completed it. And all the drive home, I was like, man, I just nailed that. People were laughing. I told the story about vomit, blah, blah, blah. And then I watched my five-minute talk, and I told Danny afterwards, I was like, I was way, way better in my head. Whoa. <laughs> like, Whoa. And, and I think it was fine. I mean, don't get me wrong. 
that piece is it, it's just I I've never I've not watched probably since graduate school when you know I went through a seminar class where we recorded ourselves giving talks and be like look you say um a lot or you know don't do that with your fingers or whatever you know all the all all the good good um guidance this one was like I was like oh I thought I was I thought it I thought they came out better than they did and maybe I'm just being critical because I watched it but I like I just you know it was weird it was a different different experience so go if you want watch yourself give a talk because it's uh you might not be as good as you think you are well that's (laughs) uh, a little heavy didn't it that is that is really interesting so yeah that reminds me of um a story um about the grateful dead and where they were talking about like you know when 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 they did uh when they would record stuff and uh, thinking, you know, like, oh wow, you know, this was horrible. And I, I can't. Remember. There's some. There's some quote about um, asking. I, I was thinking it was Jerry Garcia, but but it looks like from what I'm finding on Wikipedia, it was uh, it was Phil Lesh talking about. Um, like all he could remember was he just it was a terrible show and his feet really hurt like his and he was just not having a good time and then later on he listened to it or other people listened to the recording and they're like man they were really on that night you know <laughs> yeah and so yeah but I mean it goes to your point right it's like th- that how you feel in the moment may not be a real perspective on 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 how the talk actually went and you may think that you really bombed and it was okay or you may think that you were fantastic and you killed it and then it was just only like mediocre yeah or. And so that it could be that w- <laughs> this is like the depressing part of it. Maybe I killed it as much as I could kill it. Could have, right? And it's still not great. Like when mm-hmm. you watch it, like you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. And maybe it's maybe I'm more critical because I was because I was in the like it just didn't. It was like, oh man, I wish I didn't say it like that. Or man, I wasn't holding the microphone close enough. Or they probably didn't get why I was like guffawing at that because it was something going on in my head. But they were mm-hmm. laughing a lot. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it was like, I, I just overthought all of the stuff afterwards and maybe it's fine. Maybe that's just my ceiling, but it was, I, you know, it, it was, uh, you, I don't know. You're, I'm always like hyped up after a talk. Um, if it goes well, like if I, if I got the, the points that I wanted to and the time that I wanted to, and, and, you know, came up with something new as I was, as I was talking and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was like, I went to bed last night. And I was like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have watched that. Like I was, I, I thought I was, you know, I was way better in my head. Um, than I was, and I'm not usually like, like that. It was just a different thing. So anyway, I'm going to send you the link and it's kind of a mess. I don't know how to like edit, not edit, but like pick timestamps in YouTube. Um, but cause they just recorded and streamed the whole thing. And it's a, it's like an hour and a half long. Uh, mm-hmm. but I'll, but I'll, I'll, I'm at, I'm the last speaker, um, okay. on, on the thing. So you can check it out and we'll put it, we'll like, we'll post it in show notes. Cause I'm, it's not like yep. I'm like embarrassed about it it's just it gave me this really interesting perspective of maybe just like you said maybe sometimes when it's bad when you think it's bad it's not as bad as you think and in fact there are parts of it that people remember and maybe other times when you think you got it you go back and look at it and go you know what i gotta try to suck less yes even though i, I mean it's not that i was sucking it's just not i don't know you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying don yeah, i know what you're saying ben good, good so anyway it was a really interesting event and they give you free beer like I mean, <laughs> free as in beer. Yeah, free, free beer, free, free, free beer was awesome. It was there was wow. a lot of some cool stuff. Wow, I, I, uh, that they, they, we don't have anything like that in New Jersey, as far as I know. You, no, there's never, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch, but there is a free beer at a at one of my talks. Cool. It was cool. 
So anyways, good, really good experience. And I met a bunch of people that I'd not, that I didn't know before actually had a really interesting conversation with a woman who, um, works at EPA and is into science communication. Like that's her fellowship job for EPA is how do we communicate some of the things that we're doing from, you know, um, protecting the environment. Cause that's what they do. The environmental protection agency. Uh, but also, um, you know, how do we move into a, a regulatory group getting into citizen science and how do we engage people? And and so it was a really, I mean, we had a really great conversation about some, she, some of the things in the field that, you know, we, we have two similar types of fields. Her focus is on pollution and toxicology and mine obviously is on food safety and microbiology. And there are analogous issues on, on both of those things. So it was, yeah, it was kind of cool. So anyway, no, that's, that's always nice to meet uh, smart people that do, you know, they're interested in what you do and that what they do is interesting. So you can have, uh, you can have conversations. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really good. So, so there, so there you go. So RTP 180. Um, yeah. And so, and as I mentioned, I'm going to star Wars and no, no spoiler alerts. I don't know if you know anything about it, but don't tell me anything. I've, I've not, I've, I've tried to stay away from the spoilers, but now it's going to be a lot harder to do that, uh, because everybody's going to see it now. So, yeah. Yeah. Are you go? do you have a plan? Are you going? I don't have a plan. I don't have tickets. I haven't looked to see when I could get to see it, but I do definitely want to see it. It, uh, it's but obviously not that bad because I don't have a plan. Well, yet. no, but you, you know, that's, uh, that's okay. That's, I'm not, I'm not judging you for your plan or lack of plan. Yeah, my, my my son also wants to see it, so we need to we need to coordinate our schedules and 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 maybe if we if we can get tickets this weekend, I think we will go see it. But yeah, so no, we haven't gone to see it yet. Cool. Well, so I'm going to this place. You know, I, I mentioned it. It's a um, I, I don't want to stand in line for four hours with my kids, uh, which is oh, what God, no. which is what, nothing. Like, nothing's worth standing in line for four hours. No, sorry, no. And so anyway, so so I I'm, I went to a place that has assigned seating. I was able to go pick my seat and yep. and we and it's got like recliners. I've never been to this theater and it's apparently amazing. And you can get beer and food and it's like a restaurant and so I'm going to we're we're going to go, you know, experience it there. Um and uh yeah, it's uh we're, I'm I'm really I'm really looking I'm I'm looking forward to it. I've not been so like hyped up about something like this even with the last ones that they released. And I don't know, I'm just swept up. Mainly it's cuz my kids are like super into it. So it's it's kind of fun. Um, yeah, the theater that's closest to our house has the – they've redone it recent, well, relatively recently with recliners and with assigned seating. Um, they have – and they have pretty good – they have not pretty good. They have okay food selection but no beer. But anyway, that 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 sounds like that would be – that would be the thing to do. And that's definitely what we're going to do. I'm not going to – I'm not standing in line, right? I'm going to go and buy assigned seats and then go and – and yeah, that, that's that, – those are my conditions for going. Yeah, I think that's that's reasonable. That's – you know, that's not a – you know, not a uh, – unreasonable expectation um i have a friend on my hockey team who wrote like who not wrote who when we had a discussion about star wars in the uh dressing room the other night said um i have a rule against standing in line for anything over two hours and i thought do you really have a rule about that is there like a book that you have written down uh that these are you know page 47 there's a rule there's a rule if it's two hours and 15 minutes i'm not doing it uh, so I so I then challenged him for about twelve minutes on on that on his rule. Well, I, I'd say that's a good rule, and, and in fact, it's it's uh, it's too uh, it's too long. Uh, that's I I, <laughs> I think my limit is about fifteen minutes. <laughs> well, that's 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 decent. That's good. Um, cool. Hey, so so we got that going on. Um, mm-hmm. We got the Star Wars. We got 
we got something else. So I have two things I want to talk to you about uh, today. One of them is like the topic of the week or the month, right? Chipotle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> so, so these, the, this is, it's blown. It, it blew up uh, since our last discussion. Um, and it blew up because they had this other outbreak. Like, so, so the background is, you know, um, E. coli 026, not, you know, we've talked about it on two previous podcasts now. Um, still don't know what the source is. Initially looked like it was produce because it was like linked to uh, a regional aspect of, of the Chipotle business in the Pacific Northwest. Then um, the um, the same, it, the, the PFG match for it uh, popped up in a bunch of different areas. And I think we're up to nine states now. Uh, in this outbreak, and it's looking less and less like traditional produce because of you know what wh- what their distribution chain looks like. Um, and then at right at the foot foot end at the uh, of this uh, outbreak, uh, uh, Chipotle uh, one um, uh, unit in uh, Boston goes and has a norovirus outbreak. Goes <laughs> and has one, <laughs> just like the like a party mm-hmm. that's up over 140 people or something. Ill. Mm. And and then it's like that second one happening at the same time, you know, initially it was like, uh, you know, the media picked it up and was like, Boston's Boston Chipotle now has a bunch of E. coli. No, it's not E. coli. It's norovirus. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has called a whole bunch of things into, into sort of question about food safety. And it's like, how do you have five outbreaks in, in six months? Well, it's a, it's a, Ben. It's 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 literally a, a crap show. Except uh, I wouldn't say crap unless it was a family. Since, yeah. But I will since it's a family podcast. It's, it, I mean, it, it's a literal crap show. Is it a Danny DeVito's feet show? Is yeah. It, it's a no, that's a, that's a that's a different kind of infection. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. Um, it it's it's wild. And so you and I have been um, quoted in a in a in a few stories. So the media went went a little bit wild after this second outbreak. Not wild. I mean, it just became a much bigger so- uh, sh- uh, story. I almost called it a song. I almost called it a show. It's a story. Um, it, it became much bigger. And Chipotle, and it, the musical. <laughs> will the South Park guys do it? Because I'd watch that. I can't imagine anyone else. Oh, man. The the book of Chipotle. Uh, food with integrity. Um, so so we, you know, we've been interviewed. I, it's It's like... It hits all of the points that, that both, you know, both you and I work on and focus on. For me, it's this like internal and external food safety um, culture issue. The norovirus one is fascinating to me because um, so Chipotle has in the last little while talked about um, their employees and how it's really important that that they treat their employees well. And they've even talked a lot in this um, you know post outbreak discussion of the culture of, of Chipotle within the company. And I love that. I mean that. That that idea of organizational behavior and everyone's kind of in this, and we we hire people and and try to you know um, make sure that we hire people that have the value system that we're looking for. But also, if they if they don't, here's what our value system is. And part of that value system for Chipotle um, is to provide paid sick leave, which is great because this is a really fantastic example for us because you you see. Um, uh, lots of discussion about paid sick leave and how it becomes the answer for food safety, or, you know, because uh, everyone's all about platitudes and um, straw man arguments or whatever trite things, right? So it's like if we if we just had paid sick leave for people, no one would show up to work to ill or work, work ill. Except in this case, we've got paid sick leave. It's there. It's a policy. There's an environmental health or in, in um, 
not environmental health. There's a policy, employee health policy that says, look, there's no question asked. If you're sick, don't show up to work. And yet in this norovirus outbreak, we have an individual who shows up to work ill, even though they have paid sick leave and there's a policy about it. And to me, it brings out all these other questions of the difference between a policy and an institutional or organizational mindset and what that really looks like on an individual site. So, yeah, this this whole – and, I, again, this is all, like, speculation, but it raises a lot of good discussion questions. It's like, how did someone not take advantage of that? Is it because, yeah, it's there, but it's like a wink, wink, yeah, you're allowed to do this. But really, if you do it, you're going to get the crappiest work schedule because you have hindered my managerial ability because now now I'm short. Now I got to worry about it. Like So it, it might be there as a value system corporately, but what, how does it really happen on on the ground? And now we have an example of, I mean, it's all there. It's all right on paper, just like so many things are, but – Food safety is not about what happens on paper. It's about what happens when someone's making your burrito. Um, it's it, it's it's just a sort of a fascinating situation. So we've got all this like external food safety stuff with suppliers on the O26 and the, the previous salmonella outbreak that had been linked to tomatoes in Minnesota. And then we've got all this internal food safety culture stuff on, well, how do we, you know, we, we've got really great standards, let's say. Let's, let's assume that the standards are great and the policies are great. And the benefits are great, but we still don't get people to, to not show up when they're sick. How's that? How do we? How do we fix that? So it's it's been a fascinating situation. Yeah, and 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 the and this is yeah this this is absolutely it is fascinating because again we we've been you know you and I I think have been both beating up a little bit on Chipotle on the podcast and also in some of the the media uh, work that I've been doing I know I've been kind of hard on them because I you know I, I'm just calling them if they're if they're just being inconsistent or they they're you know kind of. BS, I'm going to call them on that. Um, but this is a perfect example because we have often, even on this podcast and in other places, talked about that that's an, an absolutely critical part of preventing foodborne disease is you don't want employees who are shedding pathogens and who are, you know, have active vomiting or diarrhea, you don't want them handling food. You don't want them in the restaurant. And so having a paid sick leave policy is a fantastic idea. But as, as we say, it's necessary but not sufficient, right? Because then you have to have people follow that policy. And, and I forget, you know, um, uh, thinking back and you, you're, this is more your area of expertise than mine, but to get people to do something, they need like one, one of the ways of conceptualizing that is with, with, is with three things, right? Knowledge, skill, and attitude. They have to know why it's important that they don't come to work when they're sick, they have to have the skill to do it. In this case, they have to be able to navigate the scheduling software or whatever it is that they do. They have to be able to work within the, 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 the mechanistics of the company to, to actually you know, get out of work because of sick leave. And they have to have the attitude that this is the right thing to do, right? And so where in this particular case, in this norovirus outbreak case, what, what was the breakdown, right? Because right. the policy was in place. It's there. So where did it yeah. where did it go off the rails? And and, it, and I like and that's the thing with this this paid sick leave thing. It's even more supported, right? Like it's not even just that the policy's there. It's because we've got lots of places that have employee health policies that say you can't work while you're ill, uh, except you know you're not going to get paid. So 
so don't work. So, like, oh, yeah. so yeah. So good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean that it's like, yeah, we good have luck with feeding your family and, and, you know, staying, uh, staying out of, uh, you know, and staying in your, your apartment cause you haven't been evicted. So right. Yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And here we've got like, uh, from, um, from, from a talk and system standpoint, it seems like all the good, all the right stuff. It's, it's, we, we want you to not show up. It's important, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but but for whatever reason it doesn't you know following that policy didn't doesn't happen, and and I wonder as as you mentioned if it, and I I don't know I don't know enough about about them I wonder how much of the why it's important is missing or there, in how they communicate, food safety stuff to their to their employees you know it, and and if it's there's a difference between. Um, Telling people that there's 48 million cases of foodborne illness a year in the U.S. and showing a story about someone who got sick or that a restaurant had to had to be shut down because of norovirus and that restaurant in your own, you know, context of it's like another like I mean they they literally have enough examples going back even before this year of norovirus being linked to a couple of restaurants like just tell Chipotle stories about what it looked like for us um, to convince people that it's really important not to be there. But the why is in the – I've been critical of many um, food safety training programs because the why is is lacking over and over and over again. And the literature tells us that the why matters probably more than the how because um, people people will figure the how out um, if they don't know how to do it. Uh, the, you know, there, there's that, – that moves quicker than the why. Um, so I don't I don't know this and, and you know the the other thing that that we've been um you know not I guess critical of them is is the right word here we've been really critical of of their public communication um that you know they've got their their CEO and and some COO who are who are out there sort of all over the place talking about what Chipotle is going to do going forward but then um in a in, in their um, sort of annual reporting um, uh, where they discussed this. There was a conference call that they put out where the um, St- Steve Ells, the the CEO, was really critical of CDC on releasing further illnesses that weren't really new illnesses, and that you know CDC is doing a really bad job making the media really hungry for this story, and blah 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 blah. Which even like. It, it's so disappointing, I guess, because if 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 Al's was following any other outbreak, he would understand that this is exactly how it works. And and I don't expect that the 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 CEO is going to follow all the outbreaks like we do, but he probably needs someone around him who's like, whoa, just back up a little bit. This is exactly what happens every time there's an outbreak. As more yes. reportable illnesses come in, people talk about it. And yes, here's the thing: we I, I don't expect, and I, I don't know. I, I was in my head, I had that it was the CFO, not the CEO, yeah, but whoever right. it is, right? Who it doesn't matter. Whoever it is, um, if you are a a uh, a, a, a C level person in this company, right? You need you don't need to understand the details of how CDC does its job, but you need to understand the absolute basics, which is this is the way every single outbreak ever gets reported. And that's why CDC has these wonderful outbreak uh, curves and they have – they clearly delineate 
uh, cases from this time period to this time period may not be fully reported yet. And those numbers may, they probably won't go down and they're almost definitely going to go up. Right. Right. So, I mean, that, that's like food safety 101. It, it is. And, and, and that, and that is irritating as hell. Right. Right. And, it, and I, I don't know. I mean, who knows what the corporate structure looks like. And, and we, we've talked about, we've talked about this on multiple podcasts and, and I've heard it, um, as I've spoken with folks over the last little while of, about this, that, and especially those in industry, that the food safety people are people, and we're biased on this, but our, our people don't have power unless they're part of this executive suite, right? Like if they're not, if they're not reporting directly to the C- CEO and they go through some other, um, you know, some other group and, and they might, the, the food safety people there probably know because they are looking at this day in and day out. They probably know how this all goes down or I would hope they do. But if they can't get that information, you've got this guy and who, you know, this guy, I mean, their co-CEO, I did look it up, um, go out and, and talk about how this is, they feel like they're being singled out. And that food safety person, I, I assume is just doing the Captain Picard face palm and thinking, man, i I know how this works and, and my information is not making it up there. And now you're looking, you're making us all look like idiots. Right. Um, well, and, and here's the thing is that, that we know, I mean, obviously we're both involved in, in, in IAFP. Um, and we know food safety people from lots and lots of companies. And some of those people are VP level people or the people we know report to VP level people. And, and so like, we know that there's communication takes place. And for the most part, you know, people don't say stupid stuff, right? Like, I mean, you know, look look at all the recent outbreaks and, and look at what people were saying. Um, and, and were they saying stupid stuff? No, for the most part. No, I mean, people always say stupid stuff. But 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 the, the level of stupidity uh, on behalf of these people from Chipotle is it, it's it's a it's a it's more stupid. Right. Oh, like, yeah. they're, like their stupid goes to 11. Right. Yeah. And it, <laughs> um, it, oh. Right. Because it's it's I mean, it's like if they were if they were no different than other C-level people or other other people that are speaking to the news media on B and we call out. Right. You guys call it out all the time on Barf blog when when some official um, says something stupid. But th- but this is a pretty high level of stupidity. Right. I mean, this is this is this is an abnormally high level of stupidity or clue. Not maybe not stupidity. Cluelessness. Right. Yeah. That's the problem. It's 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 cluelessness. It, it is. It's it's being so far removed, not really understanding how this world works, and which is the frustrating part. Because Don, I don't know if you know this, but Chipotle is a food company, right? Like, huh. like, they, like their business selling food to people to eat and and to not make them sick. Yeah, and right? and, and they exist in a in a like they only sell food, like oh, and drinks. I mean, they you can get a decent margarita there, um, but they don't. Like, how do you not know the regulatory world that your group is in and why those regulations exist and, 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 and then not know, I don't know. I just, maybe I, maybe it's cause we're not CEOs and we don't understand what they do. Um, but, Oh, I don't know. I, you know, I'm sure it's a hard job, but, but come on guys, come on. I don't know. I, I'm just, I don't know. Um, let me, so I looked up, uh, Mr. L's, uh, Wikipedia page cause he's got one. Did you know he's, uh. Him and Montgomery Morin, who's his co-chief, they um, uh, made made more than three hundred million dollars as uh, as being CEOs of this company. You know, they should take some of that money and hire people that know some stuff. Just one, just one person, right? Yeah, like one this. or one or two, maybe a team, a small team. Yeah, and I feel you know what I feel bad because I have hammered. I don't I don't know the Chipotle 
food safety people at all. Like, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think I know anybody who works there. Um, and, and, and I, I feel like we have, I don't know, we call them out because they're not visible and maybe it's because they're in the corporate structure where they're not supposed to be visible. But I, do, I, do I you, do you, Ben, do you know, um, uh, do you know what, well, cause this is public information. semi-public. Yeah. Do you know Mario Estrada, Mario Estrada jr. I, uh, I know Eric Estrada from. Chips. Okay. Well, ma, so, so, um, <laughs> don't, uh, I don't. Mar Mario Estrada jr. Is produce QA analyst for Chipotle Mexican grill. Okay. Um, and, uh, he's in the IAFP membership directory. So I wonder, I wonder what we should have him on Mario. If you listen, uh, we'd love to have you on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but you probably couldn't come on yeah. or would you want to after all the bad stuff we've been saying? But boy, um, I wonder, I wonder if, uh, yeah, I wonder, uh, I, I wonder, I mean, why, why is there only one, at least there's one, right? So they, they, they're one person better than, uh, Bluebell. <laughs> right, right. And we couldn't find we couldn't find anybody for Bluebell. We couldn't. Um, but there's yeah there's there's one one person who is uh, who is a, a member of IAFP, um, and I wonder what he's thinking right now. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. And th he's probably thinking, "Damn, I'm getting beat up all over the place." And maybe I don't know. I don't know. I feel he's probably I, blaming blaming those guys from that stupid podcast. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're we're ruining. We yeah. We somehow we've uh, made it made it a bigger deal. Um, hey, so let me tell you about something else on this. Now that came, it sort of came like I was going to say, let me tell you about one of our sponsors because um, we don't have any sponsors, so it's, that's not going to happen. Is Chipotle sponsoring this episode? Not, not this one. Um, <laughs> I so you you made a really good. Let's let me find this um, this actual quote from Barf Blog from a couple of days ago here. Oh yeah, because I'm really good at commenting on your blog. I love it when you do that. I like it. It's it's hilarious. Okay, so the first thing was that I wanted to talk about is also, and I don't know enough about business to know if this matters. I know that their shares have dropped, you know, twenty percent, twenty five percent, whatever it is, and then went up a little bit when they announced their plans. And their plans, Don, I, I have dick fingers up when the when I say the word plans because yes. their plans said we're gonna be so much better at food safety than everybody else. We are gonna be ten to fifteen or fifteen to twenty years ahead of everybody else. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know what that means. But it was enough that that their investors were like, okay, well, buy, 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 not sell, sell, sell anymore. Yesterday, YouGov brand index, which I don't know what that is, said that Chipotle's buzz is now, their buzz score dropped down to negative uh, 39.4. Well, you don't want a negative buzz, man. No, you don't want negative, especially in the negative 30s. I mean, it's an all-time low. It's an all-time low. That's 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 so low. It's the same in Celsius and Fahrenheit. It's absolute buzz, <laughs> absolute zero buzz. Uh, I don't know. So the quote that I liked on this is: I think it's going to be a while before consumers shake this off and get it out of their mind. When two outbreaks happen so close together, it does have a magnification impact. Absolutely. And so I posted about um, maybe buzz is like being infamous. And then my favorite quote from all of. The three, the three Amigos, which is not a very good movie. Infamous is when you're more than famous. As in this man, El Guapo, is not just famous, he's infamous. <laughs> oh, man. So um, let me find this, uh, this other one. Basically, they said there's no more... There's, oh, no so more the, I think I think I think the quote you're thinking of is so L says, quote, I will say, though, that we can assure you today there is no E. coli in Chipotle. Yeah. 
Uh, and then, of course, I respond, uh, BS. Yeah. First, learn the difference between E. coli and pathogenic E. coli, which is admittedly, that's a nerd point, right? Um, and then second, don't promise on things that you or anyone can deliver on or can't <laughs> deliver on, right? It's like no one should say, I can assure you there's no E. coli in our food. Ben, we go out and we test the food from Rutgers University dining halls. But you know what? I can't guarantee that there's no E. coli in Rutgers University food. I can tell you that the chance of finding generic E. coli is low, and I have the data to support that. And I can also tell you that the chance of finding pathogenic E. coli in Rutgers University dining hall food today is very low, but it is not zero. Yep. It is not. And, th and again, that's like, that's like food safety 101. That's like not knowing how the CDC works, right? You should learn that zero is impossible, right, in food safety. There's no such thing as zero risk. There's no such thing, right? You can never get that. Don't promise that. Don't say that. Learn to talk using the appropriate words that scientists and people that understand this use. It, yeah. And, ben, ben I've, I've almost finished an entire can of Diet Mountain Dew. Can oh, you tell? Sweet. This is awesome. <laughs> get, no, get on number two. Fire it up, Don. Um, this, th this one irks me as much as it does you um, because – if they're just not being smart, I mean, they're not being smart for a variety of reasons. This one's not being smart because someone goes like, I don't know how many conversations you have with like local news stations about certain things. Like every year they want to, you know, test the lunch bags to see if kids, you know, are taking good, you know, safe lunches. This is, this one is, well, there's no, we, you know, I will say, though, that we can assure you today there is no E. coli in Chipotle. Well, why doesn't WRAL, my local affiliate of CBS, just go to Chipotle and buy 15 meals and then let's see if there's some generic E. coli in it or buy 20 meals? Because, uh, you know, I think we're going to find generic E. coli on fresh produce every once in a while. And yep. then, and then, so say they hit the jackpot and find it. And then now you got this other story saying, well, Chipotle says there's no E. coli. We found some. Hey, we're looking. They just it's it's just arrogant and not understanding how it works. And why why can't people tell us what they're really gonna do? Don, food safety is not a competitive sport, is it? It's not sports ball. It's what I hear. It's what we hear all the time. Food, food safety is not competitive, and they are going to be ten or fifteen years ahead of everyone else with a plan that they have shared with no one. Yeah, I, and they have one person that's a member of the premier uh, scientific society for food safety, who, by the way, is on LinkedIn. And I just sent him a uh, it's not a friend request on LinkedIn. I sent him a link request or whatever. Okay, so yeah. anyway, we'll, we'll see. I'm because I, I'm reaching out, Ben, because here's the thing. Here's the thing. I like eating at Chipotle. Me too. It is one of my favorite places. They have really good tasting food. But you know what? I'm, I'm, and I know, I understand risk. I understand that the freehold Chipotle is probably perfectly fine, but I haven't been there. I'm, I'm a, yeah. I'm, you know, I haven't been there. I have questions about their food safety culture. But I but I want them to make safe food because I want to go there because I like them. I like the restaurant. I yep. like food, you know? Yep, yep. <sighs> hey, um, do you want to um do you want to change gears? Because we got yeah. a question from a listener Whoa. that I think is a really good one yeah. that I want to explore with you. All right, like a like a live question. Someone just tweeted in at us. 
Yes. Yes. No. It was. It came. It came in from uh, our, our feedback. Are we, are we live? Are we live? Hello. No, it's okay. I'm joking. <laughs> the podcast coming from inside the house. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah. So we have uh, uh, we have a, a, a feedback uh, link on our website, and people can send us questions. And 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 so I'm going to read the question to you, and I want to get your your feedback on this because I think it's a it really well. Number one, it would get us off Chipotle and and let us like calm down a little bit. Good, good. <laughs> but it's but it's still it's it's very interesting, and and actually kind of relates back to Danny DeVito a little bit. So <laughs> so it's about uh, it's about feet. It is. It is. Listen to this. is This is really interesting. So uh, you can read my you can read my message, but not my name. Okay, and so this is from somebody who. Um, uh, who works in food safety and I won't, I won't read their name. So she says, I have a question. Whoops. I've just, I think it's a she anyway. I, I, anyway, I'm going to read everything, but, but the person's name. Um, I have a question regarding food facilities, their bathrooms and religion. And then, and she adds, uh, parenthetically, oh my, um, some of our Muslim employees practice daily ablutions, washing before prayers on their shifts during during breaks in the facility bathroom. Debate has emerged recently over whether or not foot washing, in particular, foot washing in the hand-washed sink in the bathroom constitutes an unsanitary risk to the plant, to the food processing plant. I was wondering if there is any evidence that you know of to support the notion that feet would contaminate the hands of people who subsequently wash their hands in those sinks or whether, in your opinion, in your expert opinion, this is a concern. This concern is an overreach, and that enforcing a no foot washing policy would simply be discriminatory. I can find no literature on this. What do you think? B. The so not <laughs> not to be not not to be too trite about it, but let's let's think back to what it is that we're trying to do in a restroom hand washing you know sink we got a bunch of poop that goes on in restrooms and that poop might end up on someone's hands and the goal of that hand washing sink is to remove the poop from their hands and wash it down down the drain and poop is where we have foodborne illness pathogens and you know we we you and I have talked about um, you know, the, the dream CFP issue of hand washing following men's urination versus hand washing following men's bowel movements, uh, and that there's a different risk calculation or just different risk outcome there uh, between those two. And to me, this, uh, this, this is a really, it's an interesting question. And I'm glad, I, I'm, I'm really glad that someone's looking to ask this question in a, in a science-based way is looking at literature. I, in my in my opinion, in my expert opinion of, uh, you know, knowing what's, what's out there in the literature and knowing how pathogens that we're concerned with move from place to place, I would not be concerned. I am not concerned at all about feet washing in a hand washing, uh, sink, because I think that washing my hands or what people washing their hands after they go and wipe their butt is is a much larger risk to contaminating that hand washing basin and that's in fact the exact reason why we have hand washing sinks so that's that's my 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 quick so i so i think it's i i think it it um the question or or the concern may come from a, a lack of understanding about you know the religious beliefs behind 
um, daily ablutions and, and foot foot washing, not, you know, is this really a risk or I don't know, maybe I'm overstepping that. Maybe I don't no, know. No, no, I, th- I, th- I think you're right. And I think actually your approach of saying, look, let's, let's step back and let's look at, let, let's place this risk in the context of the overall risk that we're trying to mitigate, right? Yeah. And the overall risk that we're trying to mitigate is people wiping their butts, getting poop on their hands, and then and then going out and touching food with those poopy hands, right? And, th- and that, is, that is what we're trying to do with hand washing is we're trying to not eliminate but reduce that risk. Okay. And, and then, and so what you're saying, what you're saying is, okay, let's put that risk reduction in the context of any risk of cross-contamination from feet. And again, let's, let's talk, let's, let's go back to our CEO shaming discussion earlier, right? Right? There's no such thing as zero risk. And so is there a theoretical risk of cross-contamination from somebody washing their foot in a bathroom sink? I suppose there is a theoretical risk from that. It is a non-zero risk because there's no such thing as zero risk. But in the overall context of the objective that we're trying to achieve, which is washing poop off of people's hands, that this additional foot washing risk is so small as to be virtually non-existent. And again, we could, I'm sure, I'm sure that we would never find literature on this, but I'm sure that we could find enough literature to do uh, a quantitative, quantitative risk assessment where we would, you know, simulate, okay, what, uh, what do we know about pathogens on people's feet? What do we know about, you know, cross-contamination and blah, 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 blah. And we could probably come up with some uh, theoretical, you know, series of calculations that would show basically just the intuitive answer that we both came up with, which is that this is a low risk event. Now, what I would also say is that since this is a, uh, a not a restaurant, but a food processing plant, at least I can, I would gather that from, from the way the question is written and the fact that, that she says uh, uh, unnecessary risk to the plant. Mm-hmm. I would say if this, if they have a large number of Muslim employees and this is a, something that happens a lot, maybe you should invest in a foot washing station. Yeah. For those employees, right? Number one, it's going to be easier for them. Number number two, it's going to accommodate them in their religious beliefs. And number three, it's going to mitigate whatever that tiny little risk is that's there anyway. So why not? Why not go ahead and and do that, right? But but if you can't do that, if you can't afford to do that, or while you're doing that, realize that the actual level of risk from that is 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 quite minimal. That's that's a really great point. I hadn't I hadn't thought about that. Um, you know, aspect of what, what can we do to modify with, you know, practically modify what we currently have to, to accommodate this. And if we are concerned about the risk, how do we, you know, how do we at least separate these two things out and not impact the, the practice? And, and I think that's, um, you know, it, it comes down to, and it's not like, I guess not fully understanding the, the, you know, the religious belief structure behind it might be a factor, as, I, as I've said before, but also um, this idea of like risk factor versus yuck factor that that we've written about on Barf Blog and you and I have talked about that it just you know might seem to some that feet are gross and 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 they shouldn't be you know don't put your feet in my in my hand washing sink, but not stepping back and saying yeah you know what else is gross like butt wiping. So don't don't put that in my hand washing sink. Oh, except that's yeah, right, that's exactly. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly right. Yes, yes. Oh, excellent. That is well said, sir. Well said. <laughs> but that's you know that that's it. It's it's we we're often grossed out by different things than what 
leads to illness or or vice or or you know i don't know vice vice versa i don't know the right way to say that but it's not there there's a perception thing and it just becomes easy to focus on that on that perception and in fact a lot of times when i talk to people or I, I give talks to certain stakeholder groups they bring up things that that they're wanting to either confirm that it's really bad or you know want to confirm with with some science that the way they do it and the, the attention they pay to some of these yuck factor issues is really worth it because it's a it's a concern it's a public health concern or it's, it's going to be something that harms them and where where in fact the the data just doesn't support it but there's something else that they do that they don't pay attention to which is much riskier um and and uh, you know i i can't i know that that discussion has come up a couple of times this week in like i went to a christmas party with danny and some of the people that um, that, that uh, uh, run this store that she sells some of her, her stuff at, um, we had a like a 45-minute food safety discussion, and they were talking about certain food safety things on leftovers. And, well, and actually had to do with stuff like dry packaged goods being held in in refrigerators uh be or not in in pantries beyond their best before dates and how they, they – all those things will make, make them sick. But it's it's a gross – yuck issue potentially not you know keeping deli meat in their fridge for 26 days which which may have a you know a larger risk when it comes to listeria all that stuff it's that that's what this this question is rolled up in is um not 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 having the same risk understanding that that we might and and that leads to to different decisions and that's not right or wrong it's just that's where 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 it probably comes from it's a great question hey so so yeah, absolutely and thanks to the listener who 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 did uh, who did send that into us hey uh real-time real-time follow-up um that person that uh worked at chipotle that i sent a linkedin request responded to my linkedin request and we are now linked um or whatever the term is and i also see that he as of september uh 2015 no longer works for chipotle oh well so, that was convenient no so we should definitely we should definitely have him on the podcast um hey but speaking of speaking of um people giving us good questions i think you allude Alluded to um, uh, a really good question that made you late for the podcast today. I did, I did. So, um, do you want to talk about that? I do. I want to talk about that. That was my. That's my like check on the on the list here. So, I've got I've got something for you, Don. Too. Um, so, I work with, and you know, it's not. I've, I've talked about it before. I work really closely with the school system in North Carolina, so the state school department of public instruction, and. Um, one of the things that they, I, I connect with them really monthly on certain things that, that come up with them and they are, they, the school system is really interesting because you've got really well-meaning individuals that are part of that community. And, um, you've got them in the cafeteria where we have some like connection with them on being able to create a HACCP plan for them and train them. And then you have them. You have those other well-meaning people in an administration or part of the PTA or part of, you know, teacher groups or whatever who may not have that same connection to food safety but want to do good things. And one of the, the issues that I think we're all um, in the food industry, we, we are um, uh, dealing with on a regular basis is the idea of food waste. And so there there is a system that I'm sure happens at many schools across the world, and it's not just specific to North Carolina, but something called a sharing table. Have you ever heard of a sharing table, Don? I, I have not heard of a sharing table, Ben. Okay, so where what a sharing table is is when students bring their lunch, 
um, and may not eat it all or may not like what they've been packed, uh, or they go through the school lunch program and, you know, order things and maybe it wasn't what they were looking for or it was too much. The portion size was too much. Um, in, in some schools, there are tables that are organized for sharing. So instead of that food going directly into waste, let's put, let's at the end of lunch or halfway through lunch, put the food in a central location and then maybe other students can come around and, and pick off of that, that, um, that lunch and it, or off that table and pick meaning like grab some food and, and then eat it. And it accomplishes theoretically, it accomplishes two different, two different things. One is let's see if we can try and reduce some of the waste, this post, you know, post consumption waste. And two, it, it could contribute to, um, you know, food security and, and hunger, you know, maybe, maybe there's kids that, that don't have a full lunch that were packed or, or aren't getting, um, you know, really big, uh, you know, nutritional, um, uh, nutritionally sound portions at home. Uh, you know, there's, there's lots of reasons why people are, are, are hungry and are in, um, you know, food, food insecure. And so, so on the, on the outside, it's, it's a really, it, it's, it's good on the, on the logistics. And this is where, where it comes into, to play with, with me and the, the folks that I work with at the department of public instruction is how do we do that safely? It's not, you know, the, the easy knee jerk reaction is don't do that. Because maybe there's a cross contamination risk, we have to worry about allergens. How long has that food been out there? Like, I mean, we, you know, it's no, it's easy. It's really easy for us to come up with reasons why it shouldn't happen. And and similar to our discussion on the last podcast about the bearded dragon, I'm a, I'm an opportunist of, you know what? How do we do that safely? What are the protocols? What are the things that if we were to come up with some standard operating procedures, and again, let me get back to the Chipotle SOP situation in a second here. But if we came up with how would this have, what, what types of parameters would we have to put in place to make it work safely? And then how would we get that information to the folks that are running it? Cause it's largely not the cafeteria staff cause it's happening in the cafeteria service area, which is not within their supervision place. It's like happening where kids are eating their lunch, not on the line. So how do we then train these individuals who would be overseeing it on what's a good practice, what's a bad practice, what what should be um, allowable from a risk tolerance standpoint, and what should, you know, what's a what's a too risky situation and talk about timing, you know, I, I don't know if it works like this in New Jersey, but in, you know, lots of parts of the country, we have people that have different lunch breaks. So you may have a lunch service time that starts, you know, the earliest at maybe uh, 10 minutes to 11 and go till one thirty. So if you've got a sharing table and people are putting stuff out there, what's our, you know, time is a public health control concerns. I mean, there's a lot of really interesting questions. So, so anyway, this was a question that was, that has been posed to me and we've been going back and forth on, um, discussing how do we come up with stuff on this? So what are your, what are your thoughts? What would you worry about in a sharing table stand standpoint? I might've put Don to sleep or his mic's on mute. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I, yes. Just had mute. A nap. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, just a little nap. It's a micro nap. Yeah. Um, so I was taking notes as you were talking. I wasn't napping the whole time. Good. good. Um, and the, the first thing, the first thing I, I wanted to mention, because it's the most important and we haven't mentioned it recently, is that actually um, having lunch breaks at different times is a key 
key plot point in season four of The Wire. Right, right. Yeah, good point. Good guy. <laughs> because Randy, Randy, the entrepreneur Randy, is selling uh, food, not not perishable food, but candy and stuff. And the way that he does this is he gets uh, some hall passes and he gets some shirts because in the school the kids wear different shirts in different grades and he's kind of a, a small kid. And uh, he ends up um, uh, like going and, and doing that. And and he is actually one of the most tragic characters in The Wire because he's, you know, no, no spoilers or, or spoiler alert. Um, it, the, 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 it does not end well for him, um, uh, because of a series of, you know, screw ups by the police and various things. And he's just such a, a likable character. I mean, he's, you know, he's flawed as they all are, but it's such a likable character. But so anyway, so yes, yeah, so that, 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 uh, I just figured I had to get that wire reference in. <laughs> it's very important. Good. Um, but, um, but yes, this whole idea of, of different lunch breaks uh, is something that happens in, 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 in many schools. But the first thing that I wrote down under, under sharing table, the first thing I wrote down was allergens, right? And I don't, and I guess it sort of depends on what the school's rules are. I know a lot of schools these days, um, have of just complete bans on, let's say, peanuts. So, so whether you have a sharing table or not, kids are not allowed to bring a peanut butter sandwich because of nuts, right? So that that's one issue. Um, I think the the time as a public health control issue is probably fairly easily managed because you just have a policy that, okay, things come to the sharing table and then um, it's on the sharing table for a certain amount of time and then it's dumped. Right. Um, the other issue, which I, if you mentioned it, you only just alluded to it, what if um, I'm a bad parent and I prepare an unsafe food for my kid, I give it to my kid, my kid doesn't want to eat it, my kid puts that unsafe food on the sharing table, and then some other kid eats it, right? So, so you know, so I, so one of the ways I would parse it is I would say, okay, we need to separate, like, home-prepared foods versus cafeteria-prepared foods that the kid just didn't want it, right? And so, that, so that's probably one way to, to parse that risk within home prepared foods, there's probably a difference between, let's say, a cupcake and a uh, chicken salad sandwich, for example. And so, but but again, the other overriding thing in all of this is is not only how do you parse out the risk, but, you know, we, we can't do a quantitative risk assessment <laughs> for every school, right? Right, right. We need, we, need a, we need at the end of the day to come up with a policy that will fit on one sheet of paper that someone who is not cafeteria staff but lunchroom staff can understand. And, and, and just the flashback to, uh, to my growing up, the, 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 key, the person that I remember being a, a sort of a, a key figure in the lunchroom when I was in elementary school, the guy who kind of had oversight over the lunchroom was the janitor. Yeah, that's right. Right? Like the, Mr. Johnson? <laughs> Mr. Somebody, he was, he was a very tall and very scary, very angry looking dude. I'm sure he's a, you know, I'm sure he's, he's a perfectly fine person. If I were to meet him, go back in time and meet him today, I'm sure he'd be perfectly fine. But, but he was, he was intimidating, right? Cause he was, he was big and he, he had, he like did janitor stuff and he had his, like his janitor room that was full of like, you know, janitor things and just was, you know, just an imposing guy. Right. And he was a, often, or at least an, enough that I remember it, he was the guy in charge of lunchroom. So, so the key thing is it's gotta be a one page piece, one page piece of paper that, that Mr. Johnson, the, the janitor can understand and enforce. Right. So, so th those are, those are my thoughts on sharing table. Yes. And the one other one that, that you didn't highlight that we have started jotting down is we've got sharing table where someone, you know, who knows how these foods like say it's a um, say it's apples or grapes, you know, uh, foods that where the 
the rinds or are going to be eaten. Now we have to worry a little bit about someone picking over that and spreading norovirus all around. So we've got a, a you know, I think a potentially a hand washing issue that we've got to also um, also sort of focused on. Um, a little bit just to be like, okay, how does this, how is this all, all going to work? But it, it's a really interesting, and this is why I love doing what I do because this isn't, it's messy. It's a messy system, right? It's, it's easier for me to tell you about the preventive controls and making an omelet than it is to tell you about how we're going to manage risks in a sharing table. And it's because it's so complicated or complex, it, people are, are, are the knee-jerk reaction is, well, just don't do it. Well, the issue is, well, it's going to happen. So how are we doing it? How will we manage this so we can, uh, you know, come up with some guidance on how to reduce risk a little bit? Uh, and, but as you said, not get it down to zero. Um, the the last piece of the sharing table that, that came out uh, in our discussion was in certain schools, because you, they, they're going to have food that's left on that sharing table. Not everyone's going to want to share it. Now, what do we do with it? And there are some schools that want to donate that now to a food pantry. Um, and so now we have other, like we're now bringing in a whole other party of, well, what foods can we send to the, to the pantry? How do we need to transport that? I mean, it's, it, it is, it, it takes us a while to go through all these, these little steps to get it, to get it right. But it is, you know, there's, this is fun stuff. Like this is the kind of thing that I love. So, so anyway, that's yeah. why I was late. <laughs> yeah, no worries. You're excused. Um, and, um, uh, and the other thing too, while we're talking about food waste is just, I want to give another shout out. We've talked about this before on the episode uh, on, on the podcast, there is, uh, an episode, uh, a food network special called the big waste, um, where, uh, uh, some chefs go out, uh, under with a, with a, you know, a, a set time limit to go out and prepare a multi-course, uh, gourmet meal. Um, and, um, uh, our, uh, friend of the show and, and friend in real life, Randy Warabo, was the food safety expert brought in to basically pass judgment on the safety of those foods that were uh, basically scavenged from dumpsters. So um, we'll we'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Um, uh, you know, so so that's so so. But, but my point in bringing that up is this whole issue of food waste is is a it's it's one that is resonating in the culture right now. And it I've is. done some work on people working on documentaries on on shelf life dating, which relates to food waste. There's a woman who wrote a book um, uh, uh, um, for NRDC uh, Press and 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 I, you know, gave her like helped her with the, the science and reviewing sections of the book with respect to making get, making sure you get the science right. So and that is it's a, it's an excellent example of the tension between wanting to do the right thing, wanting to not waste food, yet at the same time not wanting to increase risk of food poisoning or, or worry about food safety. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's one that we've got to figure out. Right. Like it's such a. A, right. a strong cultural issue and and there is there is just too much waste um that we could do something with and it's easier to to not deal with it i guess like so we, so I, th I feel like we've got to be part of that solution and not just just similar to what we you know the cultural issues around microbiologists and organic farming and using manure whatever it was it's like well it's just easier to say it's not it's risky you don't do it but the reality oh, is people are going to do it so let's figure it out and the and the classic example from this very show, raw milk, right? Absolutely. People are going to drink – people want to drink raw milk and we don't work for the FDA. So – and, you know, and again, I, I, I potentially work with farmers, New Jersey farmers who want who, – who are struggling, right? And, 
And they want a way to capture value for the foods that they produce. Well, they can produce raw milk, but I, but from a food safety perspective, I sure want to make sure that they do it safely. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, it's uh, th- these are these are the in- and 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 you're right. The historically, the classic extension response would have been that's not safe. Don't do it. Yeah. Right. That's fine. That's a fine response, but but it's not a, as good a response as well. Let's look at how we could do this more safely, or let's look let's look at it. Let's let's try to figure out: Are there things that we could allow, practices we could allow that would not significantly increase the risk, and yet would allow this sharing or this this thing to take place? So so just to to kind of maybe wrap up this discussion: What what's what's the what are the actions coming out of that call, right? Did you solve the problem or what's like how, how, how or how are you going to proceed with solving the problem? Yeah. So I don't think we fully solved the problem. What we did is came up with a list of um, things that we're going to develop some guidance for the, those schools on how to do it. And so it's all the stuff that we've that we've hit on, but a document essentially that that sets the framework of, OK, if you're going to do sharing tables, here are the things that we need you to we, we think you should be focusing on managing and then. Um, we'll put together a couple of our famous food safety info sheets that focus on this, that, that becomes something that they can go to for, for quick reference or at least gets the conversation started. But one of the bigger things that we've got to sort out is the responsibility. And you, as you mentioned, the, the janitor or the custodian being a real focus, it's like, this is bigger than just how do we work with the cafeteria staff? Because, so it's kind of like, okay, who's responsible for what here? And how do we get to those individuals? So that's kind of our next piece is, is really trying to write the playbook on, on okay, so you have a sharing table. Here's what you should do. And here are the people that need to be involved. And here are their responsibilities. And you got to have some sort of policy on how to sort it out. Because if you don't, then then it's a free-for-all. And, and then, you know, bringing it back to the Chipotle norovirus. And, and just because you have a policy means you still need to follow that policy. It just doesn't mean, okay, this is how we handle it. You actually have to do it. Um, so yeah, so we'll work on that. We've got a document that we have been working on. This was not the first call. It was sort of a developmental, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a thing in development, but we'll have something. We'll post it on barf blog. We'll put it out there on sharing tables. Cause it's a fun, it's a fun thing that people are doing. And there's a, there's a gap. There's nothing out there on how to do it. Yeah, you know, I I did an internet search quickly for sharing table and didn't find too much. I found one one link that didn't work. Um, I found another link, um, which is a November 2013 memo um, from the USDA Food and Nutrition right. Service, um, uh, and and it mentions a little bit about the sharing table, but it's not it's not. I mean, it's got a bunch of other stuff covered, but it's not very uh, not very detailed, right? And it talks mostly about milk and individual cartons, but um, but yeah, it's it. Again, Again, and, and then also about donations. So, so again, there's there, there's beginning to be some documentation on this, but obviously needs a lot more work. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there you go. I think you got a you got someone coming by, don't you? You got a thing? I do. I do have. I have a hard out uh, okay. that I, that I moved uh, because you, you had important uh, sharing table food safety discussions to have. So. Well, and I got a hard out too because I got to go uh, pick up a child so we can go to the Force Awakens. No spoilers. No spoilers. Um, I know, no spoilers. I, I won't tell you. And by now, by the time this gets posted, actually, we're getting we're getting good. As a, we're gonna have one go up this afternoon. We got. I actually might get it out before I go. Um, so cool. Hey, this has been awesome. Food safety talk episode eighty uh, something. Um, I think we're. I think this might be ninety one. No, are ben. you kidding me? Ninety one. Because ninety's done. So this is ninety one. Ben. Ninety one episodes. Ninety one episodes and. 
97 and counting problems in in Don ain't one. <laughs> I got. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, uh, thanks, thanks. Again. Hey, have a have a happy holiday season. Uh, thank you. It. You too. You I, too. Enjoy enjoy your time uh, uh, away from the the hustle and bustle of daily food safety world, and as you immerse yourself in the not so daily food safety world. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking, I, you know, I'm looking, I, you know, holidays are nice because just everything just sort of quiets down, slows down. Yeah. I get caught up. People leave you alone. Yeah, it's nice. It's great. For the most part, yeah. yeah I agree, I agree. Um, great. Well, uh, thanks again, Don, and uh, we will talk soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Speaking, speaking of talking soon. Yes. Let's look at this quick. What? Yeah. Um, what about January 4th? What about January 4th? January 4th would be awesome. Let's do it. So I'm January 4th is really good because I'm uh, – we've got uh, interviews for positions, 5th, 6th, and 8th. So yeah, January 4th. Um, I really – I've got nothing going on. When you what, – what time would work? I, I'm wide open that day too. So we say we we're, we're pretty good at like this ten o'clock eleven o'clock mm-hmm. or ten o'clock. You know, and it's time, it, yeah. it's a good time. I mean, I feel like my energy is better in the morning. I mean, I try to save the morning for doing important stuff, but I've come to the conclusion that this podcast is important. It's important, stuff. yeah. And it gives ten o'clock's nice because it gives us a couple hours to go through stuff. Like you can kind of set your day up, so it's not mm-hmm. like uh, you know we're not we're not hitting it right at eight thirty and things are going around. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. Done. Um, Good. And then, uh, yeah, so you go do your thing, and I've got uh, – I may be able to post this before I go pick Jack up. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet. Cool. All right. Okay. Very good. I will – I will. Uh, I just renamed the – I renamed the folder to be the episode number, and that's 91, and you and Beth are doing that. I'm going to turn on Dropbox syncing, and uh, – um, I will put the uh, links that I collected into that for you, but Perfect. you've got the audio, so I won't, won't put nope. my audio in there unless you need it. Good. Sounds good. All right. All right. Thanks, Don. All right. Take care, Ben. Bye-bye. Bye.